0: Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who might stop by to ask for a cup of slab. Mark, Shannon, and Matt.
1: Alright, it's show number 529, and on today's show we're talking about using dye on walnut, card scraping a cutting board, and making boards longer. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before July 31st at rockler.com/woodtalk.
2: And if you want to help support the show, you can do so. You can go to patreon.com/woodtalk and sign up to become a patron of the show. This time we're thanking David Thompson and john clap <laughs> you did take him out of order Yay, you're welcome, you're welcome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay matt had this whole thing where we had like a list of four he had to read from and i teased him and he said i'm going to take him out of order and i said you're going to confuse yourself and he took him out of order and i bet you he's going to confuse
2: tune himself. in next time <laughs> to exciting conclusion <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh that's that's amazing all right great well uh let's get right to the good stuff what's on the bench my bench is uh, packed, slid up against the wall, and doing absolutely nothing right now. It's a good spot for it. Nice. It is. It looks good. Hey, you know, this made me wonder where do people normally put benches? Like, we, uh, I say we, ah. but I don't know about you guys, but I tend to want that bench away from the wall mm-hmm. um, because I need to get to all sides of it for presentation purposes, not necessarily for the big work debate purposes. item you're
2: bringing up right now. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. kind
1: of unexpected. I hate to sideline us to talk about like a woodworking topic, but. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, the audience hates that. Um, but I'm curious, like, if, if there are no cameras, if you're not doing presenting, what is the optimal position for the workbench? Away from the wall, right? Yeah. You'd want to be able that's, to get all the way around it.
2: That's my stance.
3: Smack damn in the middle of the shop. Yeah. For me. Like, you got to get to all sides. Yeah. But I
1: guess if you're pressed for space, like, I know, like, Vanderlist's uh, small shop in his basement that he used to have, uh, or probably still has, is, like, he had no choice. It had to be up against a wall.
2: Yeah. I think mean, it kind of depends too on like your overall shop and how you use your workbench because I use mine like an assembly table too. Yeah. So in that in those cases, I need to get on all sides of it to walk around it or whatever. But I don't know. I just, I just like being able to – I like the freedom to choose. Yeah.
3: I know a lot you of people who much. rely upon the wall for stability. Like it keeps their bench from being – from walking or whatever as they do heavier like Build a work better
1: workbench. On. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of that what is, I say too. Like You're bolting bench your problem? bench to the wall. you got some yeah. other big it's issues to solve. Cheating.
3: No, I mean <laughs> – Honestly, I don't, you know, when I'm at the bench, I tend to shoot from like three different spots and it's always those three mm-hmm. different spots, mainly because my shop's too small to have, like, if I need a wide angle, I can only go in one spot in the shop. Right? <laughs> yeah. There's not enough room, but I love like setting up, I almost have like different workstations. Um, so I can like set up uh, like a, a bench hook or something on one area of, of the uh, the bench. I'll have a shooting board on another area um, and like I move around the bench, you know, depending on what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely got to have room all the way around it.
1: Yeah, makes sense. All right, well, if you don't uh, you're wrong. Interesting sideline. Thanks for your opinions. Um, you guys want to hear a, a whole house and <laughs> shop update thing? Is the, do we yeah. want to do that? I'm ready. I think the
3: listeners the need to hear cuz last no, last time they heard you were closing on a horse barn. So
1: Wait, Are you moving? Here's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I'm moving. I'm getting confused on where the timeline is as far as like the audience perception. What are they watching or listening to and what have they heard last? So you're right. I have made vlog videos about this. There's been updated information, but not on this show.
3: Well, case in point, oh. we we had an email on in our inbox that basically said like the subject line was something like you guys unquit? Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> I replied to I replied to this guy directly because he's like <laughs> I thought you quit. Like, when did you start it again? And I'm like, dude, I hate to tell you this. We've been sponsored by Rockler. We're like, we're, we're we're going into our third year now. (laughs) Um, So I I had to like go back and I'm like, I think it was like episode, you know, four sixty something or maybe, but Mm -hmm. yeah. So if the point being like, we've talked about, like, we don't really talk about wood talk that much on our other channels, whatever you want to call Mm it. Um, Yep. And probably we should. <laughs> you would think <laughs> because once we quit, people yeah, are like they're gone. And that. I know a lot of people who cannot stand my videos, who just what listen to me on 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 Wood Talk or maybe on the Lumber Update. If I'm lucky, they can't. They yeah. don't want to watch my stuff. You know, it's terrible. It's awful. I agree with them sometimes. So you know, if they want to know what's going on with me, I have to say it on Wood Talk. So yeah, yeah. Point being, say it again because last I heard, you were you were you were going to start raising horses. And yeah,
1: yeah. Stuff. Uh, well, the funny thing about this, the ironic thing, is that the people who hear this will have the absolute most up to date information for now, and then they'll be behind again <laughs> in a couple of weeks because right. <laughs> I haven't really talked about this too much. It'll be July. Okay, so here's the deal: uh, we definitely did not go down that path of, of buying the big property with um, uh, what do you call it with the horse barn on it. Uh, lots of reasons. My vlog goes into a little bit of detail about that, but uh, you know, some people are really dumb, and uh, it wasn't us in that case. Uh, so it just it was not panning out. It was a seller who clearly was not interested in selling, and is uh, going through some weird stuff. So uh, we got out of there and decided to change the game plan. And this relates to our previous conversations that we've had about zoning and how tricky that can be. Because one of the things I found out real fast, Matt, when we were talking about like giving a call to the county and looking yeah. at the um, you know subdivision rules, is the question of employees. Yeah, It wasn't that we couldn't have a home-based business. It was more that we couldn't hire anyone. Now, you know, is that something you could just kind of fly under the radar with? Probably, but do you want to?
2: Uh, To a certain point until, you know, your business actually grows to a point where you're like, well, crap, now what? Yeah, and you're kind of stuck. So
1: we we started to look at all the other properties available. We just could not find something that had – I mean, look, most horse properties, the way this goes, people who are horse people, they put so much of their time and effort into horses – I think for them, the house is a secondary concern. It's literally yes. not something they're too worried about. Yes, yes, right. So when when the horses are getting all the money, love the house isn't, and uh-huh. we're just like, ah, I don't want to make this a major downgrade just for the sake of the property. And you well, know, they're living
3: in a mobile home. <laughs> yeah, got a it's, glorious like horse barn, and yeah, yeah. I, I hear they you can outhouse. do a,
2: a renovation series. That's uh, super popular. Yeah, people hate that. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants that. <laughs>
3: So, so you, know, you could just hire Matt and Donovan and they oh could God. come do the renovation oh, that's for true. you. Well,
1: when you're done, I mean, you're going to hmm. want to keep this going, right? I would watch to.
3: video of you sipping lemonade on the deck while you watch Matt and Donovan work. I would watch that. Well, that look, would be here's so the thing. meta and I'd be into it.
1: Here's the difference between like me and Matt on this. If I'm bringing someone else in to do the work, they're doing the work. Well, that's it. (laughs) I ain't doing anything. (laughs) Otherwise, what the hell is the point? I'm not, you know, I'll be behind the camera. I'll be paying the bills. It's fine. Mm. (laughs) I don't need to be in there messing things up. You can do all those things and be in there. (laughs)
0: All
1: right. So let let me catch you up real quick. So all that went to the wayside. Oh, also, let's not forget, as I researched more about horse barns, Everything about a horse barn that makes it a good horse barn is something that makes it not a great space for me to do oh, woodworking. Really? Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> so what? this is not I news. I had no idea. Not news to Matt. Look, horses <laughs> horses like fresh air. That's the thing. Yeah. And They, they don't want horses. HVAC and they don't want a sealed, they need air. They're dumb, they need air. What are you going to do? But they
0: but, they,
3: but but like woodworkers, they also pee on the ground. They so do. there's there's that you know they don't always have slop. Bucket, sinks the bucket of in. sawdust, yeah. <laughs> so
1: all right, so we abandoned that plan because there just wasn't much inventory to see, and it was looking like this house uh, in Denver was going to continue down the path of the the sale are closing, coming up and closing. We're like, where are we going? <laughs> we don't have a place to go. <laughs> plan B. Plan B came into uh, light when Nicole was doing a little bit of digging around. She found a couple of uh, inexpensive commercial properties that are just like, you know, abandoned doing, they did something before, whatever it oh, was. Oh, good. Abandoned. You just never Lovely. know. Hopefully. Yep, half lab. Yeah, we're already, yep. half lab. Yep, we're, we're already starting on the right uh, foot here. So, uh, but so I don't want to say too much about these things because they're still where uh, they are currently under contract. But I don't. It just feels like poor form to give too many details about something that is not completed yet. So I will talk about this more in the future. But let me just suffice to say that, like the commercial property we found, is a uh, old firehouse. It's not abandoned. It's actually being used for storage is right there now. A pole? Is there a pole? It's a single hey. floor. So there is ah. no pole, which means I'll be does installing a stripper work? pole and yes, calling it a go. fireman. I, there you go. Yep. Right? You see me slide down that at have, the beginning of every show?
3: Does it have a containment grid in the basement that when you shut off, you get a on klaxon? That, yes. Please, uh, yes. Ghostbusters is my that's favorite. A, that's mode. a big Twinkie.
1: Um, so I'm going to have to use that line at some point. So yeah, they're very, uh, Ghostbusters vibes in this thing, but it's a single floor, uh, built in the early seventies. It's got two bays. It's about 2,600 square feet. So okay. look real right. promising, super clean, probably needs a little bit of, you know, love for, uh, you know, electrical and, uh, heating and air conditioning, probably maybe some interior walls for insulation, uh, cause it is a block wall uh, with brick on the exterior And, I mean, very, very promising. And the price is right, Uh, this financially for us. When you're moving from Denver to Missouri, in spite of the market being crazy, it's proportionally crazy. So, when you (laughs) sell in Denver and then look at places in Missouri, the financial picture changes a lot. So, um, we'll be in a pretty comfortable position. And I'll have a place, if it all goes through, I'll have a place where I could hire employees. I might be able to hire my brother-in-law, Jay, again. Um, it's, It's looking pretty good. And then we were able to now look at houses simply as a function of what is not too far from this building that we're buying and what's not too far from schools or the school systems we want the, the kids to be in. Uh, and then the house search just became a little bit easier. Easier in the sense of finding options, harder in the sense that it's now more competitive because it was um, something more people are right. looking for. Uh, so we had yeah. to be a little faster with our decision making. Uh, both of the offers on the house we wanted and the commercial space were accepted and now we're in this whole waiting period. Everything's looking good, but you well, know- it's
2: exciting.
1: Commercial property is different though. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you think so? Like, this is where like, okay, realtor guy, I need you. Uh, this is why you're getting a cut of this. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Uh, tell me where to go, what to sign, who to talk to. So it's a lot of zoning that has to be approved. Does your
3: realtor know? Because a lot of realtors are residential or commercial. It's a it's husband and wife team. So
1: the wife is our nice. realtor, our primary um, realtor. Sorry, I get my balls <laughs> busted about that on YouTube. <laughs> With the correct pronunciation of realtor,
2: I would lean in. So that, that's okay, me,
1: realtor then. Uh, so <laughs> realtor. so the the wife is our primary uh, agent, and she uh, is doing all the the residential stuff. Her husband happens to be a commercial uh, real estate agent, so he is helping us on nice. the commercial side. Uh, so we kind of nice. just like happened into that. Um, the, the real challenge here is the zoning. And it's not because what I'm doing is so weird or exotic or like too noisy, too much traffic. It's nothing about that. It's that they don't have a category for me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that sounds right. Right. Yep. I mean, you would, from yeah, all the experience you had, you
1: know that that's what the, especially like with insurance and stuff like that, that's always yep. the hangup. Yep. What the heck are you? We don't fit into a normal checkbox. That's typically on these forms. Yeah.
3: So we're waiting. It blows my mind in 2022. You know, I mean, God, that's just, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. So because I, what you do, yeah, when you started, Mark, you were weird. You were an <laughs> abnormality. Abnomine? Mean, that's you're not, not a weird word. anymore. I'm still kind of weird. You're not, you're still kind of weird, but you have many other weird people with you. <laughs>
0: yeah, there's you other know, weird that, ones. That
3: frankly, if you think about like outside of our tiny little woodworking space that are a hell of a lot more well-known mm-hmm. than than what you do, yeah. than what we do, I should say, <clears throat> if I'm allowed to group myself in. In, in such esteemed company we'll allow as, it. as, as we'll Matt allow it <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, you, just just the, the I mean, you wouldn't call yourself an influencer, but I mean, hell, there's people in much bigger niches with hundreds of millions of followers. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, just blows my mind. Well, Which makes you wonder, like, what do they do? Are they, are they all just lying? Yeah. I don't, well, I think do, it, is is that why April went into like a brick and mortar mill workshop just so that she had a box to check?
1: Well, let's let's be honest. A that lot helps. of this stuff is definitely going under the radar. They're they're kind of trying to lay low. I mean, if you're filming content most of the time, you're not going to make as much noise as if you're like a full-scale cabinet shop. So you you can do yeah. that because you're not disturbing anybody. And I think that's that's where the problem came in. They're like, "Okay, so you build furniture." I'm like, "Well, yes." <laughs> but what, from what they're asking, am I going to be producing a lot of furniture? And it's like, "No, I I make maybe a dozen or so projects a year." And so how many customers do you have? And I'm like, well, 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 then how do you make money? Well, (laughs) Well. (laughs) there's no way there's no clear answer for them. And they are just trying to figure out how to get this thing to fit. Not that they don't want to approve it, but they want to approve it with the proper categorization uh, to make sure that it's totally approved. So we are now in a holding pattern waiting to hear back on that, but the offer was accepted. We have a due diligence period where we're going to be doing inspections and all kinds of fun stuff to to see if there's any surprises there, anything I need to know. And uh, hopefully it'll all go through. And if if it does, if the zoning is approved, we could close within 30 days, but we've got like a 90-day due diligence period because if they're if the zoning doesn't work out right away, then we may have to actually present to the council and explain
2: what we're doing, and, and I may have to go to his Can come to that two meeting. Meetings. Please, full of God, Mm-mm.
3: I'm I'm seriously. totally
2: going to that meeting just to hear
1: again
3: quality video that I would watch <laughs> if I
1: could set up a camera. Um, that would be excellent. Uh, but seriously, though, it's it could get complex, uh, but hopefully won't. So we'll see where it goes.
2: So I'm actually doing something pretty similar right now because I need to do, relocate my warehouse space, and I'm kind of going down that road again of looking to, to buy something, and it's mm-hmm. kind of a pain in the butt too. Because uh, yeah, I don't know how much luck you had with your realtor, but like commercial real real estate is like there's no like MLS system for it. Yeah, it seems like yeah. so it's like oh it's list- you can go here and look at listings, you can go here and look at listings, you can go here, and then if you're looking at like uh, commercial leases, that's a whole another thing. And the only thing that I have as, like, a way to get through that is to literally drive around and look for signs. <laughs> oh, man. Because, nice. Because, like, they're not Efficient. listed anywhere. Then you're just like It's like a random sign. There's no listing, so you just got to call some random number and be like, okay, so wow. what is this place? Tell me yeah. something about it. It looks like a building that might work. Oh,
1: wow.
3: Well, I mean, at least from there, because geography is obviously a big deal. You know, you don't want to be driving... Forever, or like in Mark's case, he wants it to be somewhat close to the house. Of course, until you have a house, that's kind of hard to do, but (laughs) at least then you can say, okay, well here's like a six block area that I want to stay within or a six mile radius or whatever. But still that sounds really inefficient.
2: It's terrible. Oh,
3: and also a way to get in a car accident.
2: You have to kind of figure out where the industrial districts are in each like city or area or whatever, and just drive there and look for vacancy Mm -hmm. signs. So it turns out mm. when you actually
1: take yourself seriously as a real business, things get hard. Oh my god. <laughs> Who would have thought? I hate it.
3: Oh, all the more reason not to take myself seriously. <laughs> don't don't yeah, do I don't, it. I don't think don't it's do worth it. And I'm I'm and I'm happier every day that school is in the incorporated name of my business yeah. because it I don't get these questions. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, you know exactly what you are, right? Uh, So that's it. I'll keep you guys updated as we go. But uh, I think the next, after this uh, audio comes out, the next update will be probably from from my YouTube channel if you're looking for the latest. And social media is usually um, up to date, but I don't want to talk about this publicly too much, so I'm not talking about it in stories or anything. It's kind of crazy. Shut your mouth. Uh, I need to shut up more. Um, (laughs) What about
2: you, Matt? What do you have going on besides
1: the warehouse search?
2: Uh, I mean, that's, that thought, I think like, that's the most stressful thing in my life right now. Sure, because um, you know you know how much I like moving. Oh, so you do. There's, there's that part mm-hmm. that I'm not looking forward to. But <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we're we're continuing working on the uh, the house, and we're doing uh, some exterior stuff. So we got all of our windows installed. We got um, all the framing is done, and now we're doing trim work. So we're doing exterior trim, which it's uh, pretty crazy how like drastically things change when you don't have just Tyvek everywhere mm-hmm. and you have like finished pieces going on. And like, oh, it's looking like the picture. Yeah,
0: it's starting to that's come That's the together. biggest
2: one. Like, oh, I've seen this before. It was in a sketch I saw like a year ago. And here it is now. It's finally looking like that. Nice.
3: What are you citing it with?
2: We are using uh, poly ash by Boral. Oh, nice. So sure, it's made yeah. from fly ash. So it's got no organic compounds in it. And it like cuts and routes like nothing. It's very very weird stuff. Like you can huh. if you need to finesse it, you can use a um, utility knife, like to carve it. It's it's really weird stuff.
3: Does it like dull the heck out of your blades though? If it's ash, only once. Or,
2: huh? It's weird. Like you, you the blade cuts perfectly forever on that material. But if you try to use that blade on anything else. Not wow. so not so good anymore. So we have like um, carbide blades that are just normal wood wood blades that are just dedicated mm-hmm. to boral now because they don't really mm-hmm. they'll cut wood, but the saw is not hey. happy about it. Wow,
1: I've never heard of this stuff. Oh. I just googled it. That's it's uh, goofy.
2: It's really goofy stuff. <laughs> like you would think because it's it's basically like MDF but with fly ash mm-hmm. instead of wood fibers.
1: Yeah, yeah. the
2: best way I can describe it. It, like it, it takes screws like perfectly well. It's like the, it's a weird dream material, but you're like, this is made from like leftovers of burning coal, mm-hmm. pressed together.
3: Well, that's why, I, that's why I asked because that particular segment of the market, exterior siding, is doing just weird stuff. It seems like it's hyper, hyper competitive now because they're, they're repurposing and. Whatever recycling, upcycling, whatever the term is, all kinds of weird materials that you wouldn't normally think of. <laughs> I, That's pretty cool. I
2: wouldn't think of it, either, but yeah, it's, it, you can use it in contact with the ground or below grade, so it's like better, even better than like pressure treated stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It doesn't rot. Doesn't well, it has no organics in it at all. So like, insects it's pretty low don't bar out of it, and <laughs> like it doesn't to over any water. It. It's
3: not hard to get over the pressure treated bar.
2: <laughs> I know, I know, but. That's what most people are familiar with for like stuff that's supposed to last longer.
1: Well, so for the benefit of the audience who's dumb like me and never heard of this before, this is, uh, I just looked it up, the, at least a description of what this stuff is. Fly ash yeah. is a fine powder yep. that is a byproduct of burning pulverized coal in electric generation power plants. Fly ash is a pozolin, a substance containing aluminous and siliceous material that forms cement in the presence of water when mixed with lime and water, fly ash forms a compound similar to Portland cement. Why did I say Portland? Mm. Portland cement. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Interesting stuff. Well, you learn something every every day on Well, Talk. well
3: That's why I was asking about the blades, because of the silicic <coughs> content. You know, they say, you know, teak will tear up your blades. That's uh, nothing compared to this yeah, stuff. I think
2: it just like maybe just like rounds over the edges of the carbide or something a little bit or something. Hmm. Yeah. But it's still. But, like, when but you're cutting it...
3: It's basically pre-diamond. <laughs> it's charcoal. <laughs> it's one step away from just, diamond. Another eon or so.
2: <laughs> the, when you're cutting with a saw, you don't even know you're cutting anything. It's like there's no resistance on the saw wow. as mm. it's going through.
3: Interesting. That's a little scary, actually. It is. Did it's I cut it yet? No, disconcerting.
2: no, no. <laughs> you're Like, oh, did I cut this? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay.
3: I assume it finishes well. I mean, you don't know yet, obviously, but...
2: It's supposed to take paint really well, and you don't have to, I mean, you don't technically have to paint it. You probably do, because it's kind of ugly, unless you're going for, like, that monolithic something look. Is it gray, like that picture? Yeah. Like a silver gray? Yeah. And depending on, like, when it was made, too, there's, like, different shades of it, too, that that might, like, shift more of the greens from, like, a blue-gray. okay. Somewhere blue-gray to, like, green-gray, there's, like, a, a band of colors. Neat. You could possibly have. That's awesome. All right. What do you got going on, Shannon?
3: I've had very little shop time um, since we last recorded. Um, I got COVID and uh, got hit with a ton of bricks, man. That was not fun. (laughs) Um, Like literally?
2: Someone hit you with bricks?
3: (laughs) It felt like that. It honestly felt like that. You know, three days of fever. But after that, it it was just fatigue. Well,
1: hang on. Back up. I thought... I know Heather had it and I know you did not have it, or you said you did, but you
3: had no symptoms. I I did not. I did not have it. I tested several times while Heather had it and I came back negative. Okay. This was like two, maybe three weeks later. um, I was like in the office on a Thursday and like 10 a.m. I'm like, I don't feel well. Like I started to feel achy and like maybe slightly feverish. I'm like, guys, I got to get out of here. Like, you know, whether, whether it's COVID or not, like I'm out of here. I went home that day and I took a rapid test and came back negative. And I'm like, well, I don't care because at that point, by like three o'clock on Thursday, I had like a hundred and one degree fever. You're
1: still sick. I was like,
3: I feel like crap. Um, I tested again on Saturday and it was like negative. The minute I dropped into the like put the little drops in the test was like ping. Oh my God. You're positive. Um, but, and I think I still had a fever on Saturday <laughs> by like Monday, it was mainly just like I had a cold, but I was so wiped out. Mm. like the fatigue was horrible. Walking down the hall to the kitchen was just ridiculous and and actually, even now, um, I guess it's been fourteen or sixteen days since I actually went back to work. but even now, like when I go do a workout, my heart rate data is skewed like mm-hmm. i'm I'm a good. 10 to 20 beats per minute higher than I would normally be for certain exertion levels. Um, But yeah, it's kind of messing me up in my training, but
1: you know, what's um, weird though. I don't, I don't, um, you know, sort of dissect my, my heart rate like you do, but I can notice what my heart's doing and, and on some equipment or on my watch, I could watch what's happening and I'm much more informal about it, but I've, ever since having COVID and kind of getting back into the routine of things, kind of noticed a similar thing where I feel like my heart is yeah. working a lot harder than it was prior it's to It's apparently
3: incredibly common. It's wow. like one of the things that they say from COVID to the point where um, I, you know, I consulted with a doctor, um, tell a doctor type thing just to say, you know, I, I feel like I've got it under control. Should I be doing anything? And he said, you know, I know you're training for a triathlon. Do not like wait at least 10 days. Before you start doing stuff again. Yeah. Because he's like, it, it, it messes with your heart. Give it and some you, time. Fatigue is, is a real thing. So, yeah, even, even now, I mean, I have been not really pushing it, but I can definitely feel it. I mean, I suck as a runner anyway. Let's be real. <laughs> but <laughs> it's like, my heart rate's like way up there, like 30 seconds out the door. I'm like, this is not good. So, long story short, I've had, had very little shop time, but um, I broke my planing stop like, Four or five weeks ago, um, I, I had this big old hunk of 16 quarter basswood. It's kind of like one of the only ways you can buy basswood anymore is like sculptural blocks. And I was resawing it and I dropped it. And of course, the corner of this um, and basswood's pretty light. But still, when it's 16 quarter by eight inches, it's, it's a heavy thing. And the corner fell right in the center of my little one inch thick planing stop that I've been using for like eight years, snapped it in half. And I was like, oh, man, that kind of sucks. But I guess I was going to build another one. And it suddenly occurred to me how much, that's like a linchpin in my shop. <laughs> like when it, when you hand plane all your boards and suddenly the thing that you plane them against is gone, <laughs> I couldn't do anything. Like everything stopped. And I was like, son of a, I guess I'm gonna have to build a planning stop now. And you know, I was kind of like in the in the groove, if you will, of, of the projects that I was working on. Everything had to stop. So I built a new one. And the only reason I bring this up is just to, to, to butter Mark up a little bit. Ooh, I yeah. used Ooh. the patented Wood Whisperer thread taps. Oh, to, um, don't associate it, my name um, with them anymore. <laughs> right. Um, I, I tapped the end of my bench and used, you know, all thread, a piece of picked up at, at Home Depot so nice. that I've got like a little adjustable slide up and down thingy that's uh, uh, secured into place with Rockler um, <laughs> jig knobs. A little diamond or star shaped rubber knob. Yeah, thingies. those are cool. So yeah. Th- th- that's, that's literally all I've done in my shop since we last recorded. All right. So, yeah, I'm exciting.
1: Nothing wrong with that. Got something done. It was a really
3: long winded way of saying that it's very on on brand for me.
1: You want to you want to know something? Uh, I know the guy that like makes all the decisions for who speaks at the Denver uh, Woodworkers Guild. And uh, he said you talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So, is, that, is that true? That, that's the truth. It doesn't, uh, doesn't help that they gave me like this really, really broad topic. Yeah. Can you talk about wood? Yeah. Like, oh, you asked for it. Yep. Strap in. We're going
1: to be here for a while. It's your <laughs> own
2: fault. <laughs>
1: so, dirt. Got to
2: start at the beginning. Dirt.
1: Okay. Uh, I think we got kickback here, right? Um, Matt, you got the... Well, there's only one, so
2: you can read that one. Yep. This is from Robert. Uh, Robert says, I got a kick out of hearing Shan talk about Missouri's methy characteristics. Well, we bought a I bought a property in Jefferson County four years ago with a three thousand square foot shop and a two thousand square foot house. When I moved in, the shop had no electrical at all, and the wiring had all been stripped out. Turns out it had previously played host to a meth lab. <laughs> the previous owners of the house was an addict as well, and apparently his girlfriend overdosed and died there. Why am oh, I reading this? Um, <laughs> On top of I that, in the house next door was a former meth and heroin addict and a current meth addict. Despite all these fun attributes, living here has been uneventful. Plus, the property was super cheap.
3: Sure, it's got no electrical. It's got <laughs> good story, Robert. Thanks. I didn't read. Right, I didn't so read this ahead. I some cinder blocks. <laughs> you bought a stack of cinder blocks.
0: This isn't getting any
1: better as I go. No, no, no. I'm not not (laughs) even sure why we included that here. Jen, why why do we include that here? I think he's just trying to prove the point that he made.
0: (laughs) I felt
3: felt slightly vindicated because, honestly, I was expecting a nurse-level blowback um, from saying that, even though all I did was Google it and read what I I saw, it wasn't my opinion saying that Missouri had a lot of meth. I was reading the facts. So I I was actually really surprised. Um, Mm -hmm. I will say, we, we don't have any of this kickback, um, written in here. But we've been getting a huge amount of emails like to Mark saying try this restaurant or go to this place or mm-hmm. go to this museum. A lot of really <laughs> right. cool stuff um, to, to the point where I'm kind of like, man, I want to move to Missouri now. So <laughs> for all the all the, the the poking fun that we make, it does actually sound like, you know, you're you're heading in the right place. It's going to be a good place to, to raise your kids and stuff. No, plus
1: um, you got to be careful with Shen because he's the guy who also said that nurses aren't
3: educated. So <laughs> that's why I said all kinds I was ready of- for... Uh, a nurse level blowback on them from the Missouri people
1: yeah. all kinds of stuff comes out of that guy's mouth alright well you know who else uh, could sell you stuff to build a meth lab <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, god I'm so glad so happy that's where you went <laughs>
1: I mean, it doesn't have to be a wood shop. It could be a different type of uh, workspace. We,
3: shop, yeah. right. we all need T-track. <laughs> That's right. I'm sure. I'm sure T-track is essential in math creation shop. Uh,
1: what is it? The the, the uh, what is the the vac system that they have? The dust right vac system. Got to clean up all the debris.
3: Yeah. Or that like like the the thing in the ceiling where you could hang like the plastic curtain around. That's got to be useful. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: For uh, they I mean, got PPE, right? Yeah. Finishing booths, yeah, all that didn't... stuff. Finish. Well, Cranston
3: well, showed me how to use all that stuff. <laughs>
1: That's right. Well, if you're looking to build out your shop or change the layout, check out Rockler's Building Your Shop <laughs> Guide. You'll find uh, workshop design God. and layout tips, free plans. Workbenches, dust collection guidance, tool and lumber storage ideas and more. Find a link in the show notes for this particular show and uh, you can visit rockler.com on the homepage there. Uh, I actually took a look at this. I love when they put this stuff together because it really, it, it shows you how dense the information is. It's not just, I say this all the time, it's not just about shopping for stuff at Rockler. There's really great information, tons of articles, videos, you'll see some uh, faces you'll recognize here and as well as, and I'm looking at this heating the second article in there about heating your workshop Uh, you know before you know it it's going to be time to do that again I found a picture in here that is a picture of my uh, system that I had back in Arizona looks like yeah I'm looking at it right now I think that's mine Either way, <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Uh, no, seriously, though, lots of articles. Any stage of setting up your shop and getting things together, and then, of course, because of what Rockler does, they usually have all the products that you need uh, to make that stuff happen. Uh, I wonder if your outfeed table thing is in here, Matt. Probably. I don't. I'm scanning quickly. I don't see it immediately, but it might be. It should be outfeed table, skill builder. I don't know. Either way, uh, no shortage of inspiration here. You know what? I'm going to need this soon because I have a big old building to outfit and turn into some kind of awesome shop and uh, I'm definitely going to be using Rockler's resources to help me with that stuff so good deal go to uh, go to the show notes for this particular show if you want the link or right now on the homepage, Rockler.com you get all that info and hopefully that didn't cross a line what we just did there yeah I have regrets <laughs> you guys
3: <laughs> they're, they're, they're about a lot more than just math.
1: I've got a few regrets now okay let's get to our <laughs> questions so first question is actually in the form of a voicemail, if I could find the right screen. Here we go. This guy having trouble with some, some situation he's in.
0: Hey, guys. I'm hoping you can help me with uh, an issue I'm having on a project. And being the knowledge you guys have around content creation and, and that kind of stuff. So I was hoping you could maybe help me out. So here's what I've got. I've got a project that I'm working on. And this guy is a content creator, and, and we'll just we'll leave his name out of this one for now. Um, but and I knew that was going to happen when I took on the project. He was going to do some videotaping. He was going to do stuff. But it was like, oh my goodness! Like every time I turn around, I'm trying to get some work done, and I look up, and there's a camera in my face, like. All the time I can't just, I, like, I turn around And it's like Oh my god It's just, it's just like It's too much So A couple things I've tried Is actually I You know I started out with donuts It's like Maybe I can put him Into a sugar coma With donuts If I just give him enough donuts And do it that way And like hey, It didn't really work And then I started bringing cookies And I even brought milk So I got Started bringing You know boxes of cookies and gallons of milk and thinking maybe he'll just like go away nope 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 that didn't work either so kind of at my wit's end here of like what do I do you know how do I how do I deal with this you know camera in my face all the time and uh, get through this project it's just been it's been really difficult so hope you guys can help me Oh, I think, did I, I don't think I mentioned my name. Uh, It's Donovan, so, but anyway, thanks, guys. Uh, Hope you can help me out on this one, and uh, yeah, thanks for not knitting. Oh, wait a minute, no, wait a minute. You didn't, you, are you knitting? No, I don't know. Enjoy, guys. See you later. That's
1: a tough situation. (laughs) I mean, who would want to work in those conditions?
3: Sounds rough. so very happy that's where that went so i mean obviously never met the guy so i wouldn't recognize his voice but i was fully prepared to say well thanks for calling donovan but uh i'm just so glad that he took that out of my hands uh,
1: yeah so uh donovan is a, a good sport he sent me that uh, last week he's like can you just play this on a show
3: like, heck yeah
1: i can so good stuff that's uh, donovan the guy who's doing all the great work on matt's house
2: making matt look good
3: that's yeah, right. something So like Matt, that. Is what that is it going to take? How how is it going to solve it? Is it the wrong donuts, the wrong cookies? What, I think what project do you
2: completion would solve it. <laughs> Just getting I'm, it done.
3: I'm, I'm thinking you should milk it and see if you can get tacos out of it. Mm, be, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get a milk.
2: Tacos. So I mean, can't it's be cool. Cookies and
3: milk. Stuff of champions. All right. Uh, think Ta- Shannon. You tacos got- con leche.
1: <laughs> oh, God, that sounds terrible,
3: <laughs> doesn't it? You. <laughs> <Ew. laughs> oh boy. Uh, okay. Anyway, this is this is from Mark, who's building a walnut <clears throat> up He says, I've been instructed to finish the air-dried walnut with yellow trans-tint dye before finishing to prevent purple discoloration. Uh, is this compatible with a hard wax finish like Rubio or Osmo, and is it even necessary? Thanks for knitting, not quitting. Go Rockler, yada, yada, yada. Nice. I like that sign off. So, um, first and foremost, uh, yes, it's compatible. Um, all dye is... Is dirt <laughs> essentially? It's pigment, um, finely, finely ground dirt, um, and it's in a solution. Uh, a transient dye. Uh, it's a water-based solution. Some dyes are alcohol-based, so it is important to kind of know what the what the the solvent, not the solvent. What's the lute? What's the Kill you carrier? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> the liquid stuff. It's important to know what that is. But even then, um, you apply the dye, and then that liquid flashes off and leaves the pigment behind. So um, it really is completely non-reactive. It really has nothing to do with what you put over top of it, other than the fact that you have to be cautious about moving the pigment around. So like if you're applying a wiping finish directly on top of a dye, sometimes you can kind of smudge it, move it around a little bit. So a lot of times what you want to do is seal that in with like a wash coat of shellac or something like that so that it sticks in place and then you can apply your your wiping finish. Um, If you were spraying on your finish, then I think you could could skip that whole thing. But whether it's oil-based finish, water-based finish, hard wax finish, you know, lacquer, thinner-based finish, you know, epoxy pour, it doesn't really matter because all it is is dirt. And the truly simplest version dye is just pigment, just ground-up dirt on there. Stains usually you got to be a little more careful because a lot of times stains are just larger particulates is really, really finely ground particulates um, stain most of the time now, especially from the big box has something else in it. There's like a little bit of a binder or poly or something like that in it. So you just have to be a little bit aware there. But even then, if the finish is fully cured, not even really need to be fully cured. You're going to run into a lot of instances where it's not going to really affect the top coat that you put on it. The thing you have to worry about with conflicts with top coats and things is if the solvents are are the same, like they're compatible, if it could possibly dissolve what's underneath it. But even then, if that finish underneath has cured enough, that really shouldn't be an issue. So just wanted to kind of nip that in the bud. Um, Second of all, I've heard this yellow um, added to walnut to prevent discoloration. To me, if you're using air dried walnut, lean into it. To quote Matt, um, (laughs) (laughs) embrace that because the color you're going to (laughs) get, you just said it today and I liked it. So giving credit where credit's due. Thank you. I I, I personally (laughs) like like the crazy colors you can get in air dried walnut. You know, um, so many people come to me saying, do you have unsteamed walnut? Do you have air dried walnut Um, that isn't, you know, where the life hasn't been sucked out of it? It's got a little bit of a little bit of, of, of excitement to it. So it, it all depends, I guess, in what you're trying to go for. Um, I wouldn't think walnut, to me, only mellows as it dries more, as it ages, as it oxidizes. Um, I, I'm i not going to say it's not possible to see you know greens and purples coming in, but if they do show up, I'd be willing to bet you they're going to fade again over time. So I don't know that it's really necessary um, unless there is a specific color that you need to get like right out of the shop you know like if you're Mm -hmm. if if a customer is saying it needs to look like this then maybe do that now but um i don't really see the need otherwise
1: this whole thing is puzzling to me why you would want to do that in the first place right i mean
3: you know if that's the case go buy some kiln dried steam walnut (laughs) yeah and 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 save the beautiful cool colors of air dried walnut for you know something to be appreciated
1: yeah Interesting, because like I working with a lot of kiln dried stuff over time, the walnut actually, I don't know, sometimes I just don't like what it turns into like five years (laughs) later. It's Mm -hmm. just a a real lackluster medium brown that I don't find nearly as appealing as some of the colors you can get with the air dried. Like, uh, don't hide that. Showcase it. That's fantastic. Embrace it.
3: Yeah, I've got a drop leaf table where the top and the leaves are built out of air dried one air dried slab. And then the the legs underneath are just kiln dried and Mm. it doesn't really matter because the, you know, the focal point is, is the top. But if you look real close, you can see like a dramatic, just, it's so much more interesting. The top has so much more going on. Um, granted I chose, you know, straight grain for the legs and all that stuff. It's supposed to kind of blend into the background, but yeah, it's very lifeless, um, the, the steamed kiln dried stuff.
1: You know, it would be interesting. Something I've done in the past with regular kiln dried walnut is to actually hit it with a stain or a dye uh, that's a dark walnut color. So you're really, mm-hmm. at least initially, you're not changing the color very much. You're just adding some of those, um, you know, uh, color particles to the surface that then stay there even after the wood starts to lighten up a little bit. And I think that actually yeah. helps maintain that intensity. I wonder if instead of trying to do some kind of like, <laughs> cancellation with color and the whole color wheel thing with the, canceling the purple what if just adding a little bit more of the brown because even the air dried stuff like you said Shannon is likely to lighten up in color over time so do this to uh-huh. just kind of keep the brown intense colors there and enjoy those reds and purple highlights that, that are behind it but uh, prevent it from getting pale as time goes on maybe I don't know. Go on honey you add some highlights. <laughs> we got people coming in and my dog's barking so hopefully he shuts up. Dougie chilled
2: all right sorry Matt go on this is from Daniel uh, I need to do a dovetail on the butt end of two or three boards so they'd be long enough for a countertop backsplash I have a rockler innovation complete dovetail jig is there an attachment or bit dove to dovetail the end of boards uh, I think you're looking for a board stretcher <laughs> not, not a dovetail jig just that's, that's over there by the the headlamp fluid or something mm-hmm yeah we'll find out there <laughs> rockler has that's, that. my, that's my attempt at terrible humor yeah it's in the it's by the finishing right, yeah you know? so <clears throat> you don't there's not like any special bit for this to actually cut a dovetail on the end of two boards to actually join them together because you you're not going to have a pin board that's like the biggest difference you have two dovetail boards that come together so you're always yeah. cutting the dovetails in the end of a board whether you're making a box or you're joining them together to make a longer board the only thing you have to figure out is going to be the offset of the dovetail on the end of that board. So kind of like a finger joint. You're doing basically a finger joint on the end of the board. So you don't really need anything fancy. You just need some kind of uh, offset so that they actually line up when your dovetails yeah. go together. The edges actually like a line stop. up. Yeah. So don't, one of them is not offset
3: a little bit. Don't they have stops in that dovetail jig? I know the lead dovetail jig had several stops along the top track I'm, that, I'm not familiar
2: you know, with this one but most of them will have some kind of left to right stop so you would have yeah. to just kind of dial that in and it should be not a block by and a clamp a half the width of the bit is that or half the width of the dovetail bit i think
3: honestly i would cut the first one and it's then like transpose the other one over top of it and then set the stop from there there you go you know like you were doing like a hand cut dovetail transfer i would do that and then just lock it in because i just don't trust myself There you go.
2: Mm. Just set it up and go to town.
1: One bit, same bit. Oh, let's see. I got one here from Ryan. Uh, Card scraping a cutting board is the subject. He says, Greetings from Burlington, Ontario, Canada. Love the show, uh, guys, and appreciate the passing of knowledge onto young and old woodworkers. My question is in regards to card scraping an edge or end grain cutting board, would this technique work to achieve the desired finish of a regular use cutting board? What is the equivalent of a card scraped board to what level of sandpaper grit? Uh, Would you use this technique if you were making a cutting board? Thanks in advance. Thanks for not quitting. I thought this was an interesting uh, question because I don't actually, the more I thought about it and got deeper into it, the less I had a clear answer. Uh, Because generally speaking, we know card scrapers are uh, sort of like a little mini hand plane, right? It's kind of slicing the fibers, leaving those pores nice and open, And that could be great for furniture uh, projects when you look at the difference between the way um, a sanded finish applies or a sanded surface takes finish versus one that's been sliced with a hand plane. There are some differences in, I don't know if it's like the porosity, but you're kind of slicing the fibers open and allowing them to pull liquid in more readily. So things can be a little bit different. Uh, And a a card scraper kind of does that to some extent versus the crushing and mangling of fibers that happens just to finer and finer degrees as you go up. So to answer his question, I don't know that there is a, you know, a grit equivalent or that it would even be fair to, because it's such a different process. I don't know how you would assign a grit equivalent other than to say that it's smooth enough (laughs) from a card scraper (laughs) usually, right? It's usually a fine one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So when you're actually doing this on a cutting board, where I started to wonder if it's beneficial or not to have that kind of clean cut surface versus the one that's been pulverized with fine sanding. Uh, Because in some, like a lot of times what we're trying to do with a cutting board is to prevent it from readily absorbing tons of liquid. So doing something that actually crushes the fibers feels like almost instinctively might be the better option than something that gives you nice clean Think of a bundle of straws that gets sliced across. Now they're all wide open versus one that's been crushed down where they're not as readily absorbing liquids. So I don't know. What do you guys right. think? I mean, do you think, I think we're probably looking at like really detailed stuff that doesn't matter in the big picture, but we're <laughs> dissecting it because we're wood nerds and that's what we do. So based on that, what do you think would give you the more desirable result in a cutting board? Hmm. A slice or a crush?
3: The species is going to play a huge role. Sure. First of all. Yeah. I mean... How how diffuse and how small are those pores to begin with? But I, let's just assume we're not using something like oak, because that's just not a good cutting board wood. Let's no. assume they're small pores and things like that. Mm-hmm. The other thing about have you ever used a card scraper on end grain? It's not fun. It's not as not as easy as it sounds <laughs> because the 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 force is actually different. Um, what we're talking about when we plane a board along its face is the shearing strength of the board. You know, shearing away those top fibers, which is a much lower force required than actually cutting off the tops of those straws. Like mm-hmm. you talked about the, that, that is a, um, that refers to your compression strength, which is you can dull a card scraper really fast and it tends to not leave as nice a surface. Right. Um, so he does, he does mention both edge and, or ingrain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a card scraper on a face or edge grain uh, board would, Would give you a nice smooth surface. I don't think it would on an ingrained surface. I tried. It would see the marks. It didn't work real well. Yeah. It kind of, because it's
1: weird. It's almost like, um, I don't know, like a lawnmower cutting the grass and kind of establishing Mm -hmm. that pressure pattern as you go.
3: So do it and get that cool diamond pattern in baseball fields. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Make that part of the design. I
1: try to do that on my lawn. It doesn't work. It doesn't look that great. It lasts for about five minutes and then the the grass (laughs) looks like I just went in whatever pattern.
3: Yeah, then Kenny goes out and poops on it. doesn't yep. make any difference. And
1: he doesn't poop on my lawn. If he did, I would yell at him. <laughs> Kenny! <laughs> All right, anyway. So yeah, I mean, this this is kind of semantics, I think, when you're looking at this stuff. I think if, the, the, if it's easier and saves you sandpaper to just scrape and you're doing the face grain or side grain board, uh, go for it. Um, but just, you know, make observations when you apply that finish and maybe compare it to the next one you do where you sand and see if you could identify any benefit to doing one way or the other. Uh, end grain, I just, I, I don't know how you're going to get out of sanding that ultimately, like, like Shannon alluded to, I think you're going to wind up, even if you yeah. scrape at all, it's going to heat up super fast. Your thumbs are going to get real tired real quick. Uh, and then you're probably going to want to switch to a sander.
3: I know I talked about this in the show before, like I built an grain cutting board by hand. And it's the one thing I will say, like, if I made grain cutting boards anymore, I'd buy power tools. Like, oh, yeah. It sucks. Oh, you got to be crazy. It's to the do it with worst that. project to do with hand tools. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but here, here's the other thing. If you are hand planing and you're using multiple species, as woodworkers tend to do with cutting boards, um, that can cause a lot of problems um, as far as, you know, because ultimately the cutting board is kind of a showpiece, you know, it, it's. It's a higher quality of finish, you know, higher quality of surface prep, I think. Kind of like making a small decorative box or something that you're going to French polish. It requires more finish prep. Um, And when you've got multiple species and a hand plane, it can do a good job, but it also can end up looking odd, under finish. Because whatever differences in grain orientation or difference in grain structure from one species to another... That process you're talking about, Mark, of mm-hmm. kind of cutting off the tops versus abrading or pulverizing, yeah. that the abrasion and pulverizing is uniform, regardless of species. The cutting is not uniform. So you'll get this, like, it looks different under different lights, mm, okay. you know, like the, the walnut next to the maple, which is really the only time I agree with this is in cutting boards, um, <laughs> is, so kind it of it looks different. <laughs> Look at it from one angle and the walnut has like the fibers combed one way and the maple has the fibers combed the other way. Um, that So th- it may look okay, it may feel okay, and then you apply finish, you're like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Um, so yeah, sanding, I think, is just the best way to, to unify the surface.
1: All right, well, that's going to do it for us today. Family-owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high-quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com, use the code WOODTALK, one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card.
3: Woohoo! Go Rockler. Go Rockler. You know I I feel I feel like I need to apologize. This has been... This has been one of those episodes where I've dropped my, like, two cents on it, every single question. I, I apologize.
1: Well, it's like they said in uh, the Denver meetup. You talk a
3: lot. <laughs> I talk too much. <laughs> it just came off as a very know-it-all episode. It was not my intention. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Send us questions. I won't answer them. I promise. And... Uh, <laughs>
2: I send, will ignore send.
3: you. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Uh, send those questions to woodtalkshow at gmail.com. I will read them, but I promise you I won't answer them. That's that's what it goes. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you for sending in those questions.
0: Alright.
1: Good deal. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time.
0: Goodbye.